but very, very dangerous. If you spotty sense, you know, I was like, oh, something's off. Ooh. And I'm just like, man, I'm waiting to hear something, you know. Get that crowd warmed up. It's Mr. Jehovah Tiger. What's going on, guys? It's uh, your host, Jehovah Tiger, a.k.a. the one-man band. One man banding it. Dang, that's kind of wild, but... So, you know, the first two episodes, I appreciate everybody, you know, listening in and and kind of giving, you know, some some feedback. I know the first episode was kind of cheeks on the audio because I was trying out different uh, headphones. They're like a microphone type setup, and, and it really wasn't that great. But I appreciate you guys still listening in. Um, the second episode, um, we added that... That intro, you know, had to had to include you know some clips. So, like I said, I appreciate you guys listening in and 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 and, and just basically just listening. You know, that's what it is. I guess it's a podcast, but uh, I like to keep these episodes short, so I'm gonna get right to it. So, you this past uh, this past week, this past Sunday, really was a series finale of The Walking Dead. I'm sick. Not really sick, but more like, I'm sad. You know, I remember watching that 2010 Halloween night. I think I was a sophomore in high school, and it hooked me from then on. You know, I'm going to go ahead and give some spoilers. They did show Rick and Michonne. Rick, Rick got took. He continues to be took. And they got to find him, which... Whoever that may be, Michonne, I guess, but they'll have some some kind of new series coming out, spinoffs, and so I'm excited for that. But I'm not going to really deep dive on Walking Dead because, you know, I guess people fell out during Glenn, was kind of ice cold. But you know, the later seasons they got you know they weren't that great after he died, but then they got better again. So. Check it out, guys. AMC Plus, all the whole shebang. But yeah, that's what I was watching it on. But dang, they had a documentary that had me kind of. I was kind of shook. And like, Betsy was kind of making fun of me because she's like, dang, you better start crying over there. And I'm like, nah, not really. But yeah, it had me, it had me feeling some type of way because it had all the old actors from season one and two. And so it was cool. It was real cool. But. But, uh, you know, so, you know, it's kind of, kind of crazy, but I had been doing some, some research and kind of looking at things and on Unsolved Mysteries of the Reservation, we did talk about missing 411. Um, we hit the, the bare bones basic, uh, on the topic basically gave out some of the famous cases of the of of the movies and you know I gave out some information when it comes to the books and and the guys kind of came down to a kind of a thought that it was LP was doing it to these people and for me I don't know I I have reservations on that I mean I believe some of it could be but the case that I'm going to talk about three cases and we're going to this we're going to totally take it in a different direction um 
So all these three cases I'm going to talk about tonight, and I'm going to, we're going to talk. This is basically the name of this episode is mysterious mysterious uh, disappearances. It's a part one. There's going to be more parts to this, but these cases all involve cell phones. So as you mentioned, as I mentioned before, missing four one one. If you haven't listened to the Unsolved Mysteries of the Reservation podcast, missing four one episode, um, there's different plot points that he uses. David Pilates uses. Um, one of it is that cadaver dogs or the scent trail. They can't get a scent trail on the bodies or on anything regarding this person or this child. Um, bad weather. Um, you know, body ends up in a body of water. Or, you know, in a stream, river, creek. Um, there's usually boulder fields within the area. Um, another plot point, and I'm just doing these off the top of the dome because I had it all a whole list about them. But, you know, but basically, you know, they go off to the side of a trail and they end up missing. And the body's found. Like, they'll do these whole search grids and, you know... The search and rescue will do this search grid, and the body will be found within one of the search like search grids that they searched. Um, so a lot of weird, kind of unexplained type, uh, you know, occurrences when it comes to the, this topic. And I'm going to play some clips throughout this, you know, of each case. And to me, the this is. With technology the way it is nowadays, I kind of, you know, think back to what, you know, what they didn't have back in the day. So you couldn't really like, oh, you can't pinpoint somebody's location. But these three cases, they, they do that. They pinpoint these locations of of these people that go missing. and Or like their phone battery drains faster. Some weird things. But so the first um, clip I'm going to play is a is William Hurley. Um, I'm going to play that now. Mother of a Quincy man who vanished without a trace is pleading for his safe return. William Hurley disappeared after calling his girlfriend to pick him up at a Bruins game last week. Beth Germano is live now in Boston. Beth, this remains a real mystery to his family. Jack, because there was a cell phone conversation with his girlfriend as he was standing here along Nashua Street about 8.30 last Thursday night, and suddenly he was gone. His mother came in from North Carolina yesterday waiting for any word on her son, and so far there's been none. So William Hurley, he was kind of a younger dude, um, a super weird case that you know he was involved with, but basically... He's from North Carolina, and he moves to Quincy, Massachusetts to be with his his girlfriend. Um, and on October 8, 2009, he attended a Bruins game uh, with his buddy. And during the game, we use the first part of the game, he started feeling real kind of not right. Like he just, you know, all of a sudden felt really tired. And he was like, man, I think I'm going to jet out of here. I'm going to call my girlfriend. And so you know, to come pick him up. And so he, he goes and um, calls his girlfriend and he doesn't really know where he's at, like in terms of the streets. And so, you know, his girlfriend who after the fact says, hey, there was a guy that was behind them that was, you know, sharing, um, that was sharing like different 
how I say, where he was at. Not coordinates, but basically his address. And the guy said, hey, you, uh, you're on 99 in Nashwood, I believe is what they said, street. And so then shortly after that, you know, he, he tells his girlfriend, you know, he's trying to, you know, she's trying to get to where he is, he's at. He says, hey, my battery's going dead. And then it dies. It, the phone, her, his battery dies just as she's making the turn to where he's at. And she, you know, she goes to where he's exactly at and he's nowhere to be found. Like, gone. And she started asking people, hey, did you see this man? Did you see this man? And everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never saw this guy. You know, people are just kind of hanging outside. Um, and they never, they didn't find him that night. But the kind of the weird thing about that case, and it's been connected, you know, each kind of, people have theories. But basically, they think somebody took him or if he had some type of, you know, debt or something. But that's a theory that I, that I was reading and during researching. But basically, he, the only bit of information that they found about him or that they found regarding evidence was his phone was smashed to pieces. And they really couldn't explain why. And they had the only way they could identify it was basically by the serial number. Um, and then a couple of days later, basically... Uh, he was found on the Charles uh, River, about 25 feet from the shore, and they had to, they ruled out a, a like a murder type robbery gone wrong uh, because he had literally everything on him: cash, wallet. Um, he had no signs of injury, um, and you know, so there was kind of weird. But what happened to him is still kind of up in the air. Nobody truly knows what happened to William William Hurley and. And, you know, that's a crazy case, you know, because, you know, he just got took and just, you know, they didn't ever know what happened to him. But, but uh, you know, kind of just moving moving forward, you know, just like I said, it's just a crazy case. But moving forward, um, now this one is pretty wild. Um, it involves a 31-year-old. Um, his name was Henry McCabe. Henry McCabe was... Uh, you know, he was in town at a local, kind of a local club or bar, um, and his wife was out of town, and she was all the way in California, and he basically went out with, with a buddy of his, and let's see here. So he was in Spring Lake Park, um, September 17th, 2015, um, and he never returned home, which was another thing. His wife, um, like I said, she was in California. She wakes up about like 2.35 in the morning and gets this crazy voicemail. It's a voicemail unlike anything you've ever heard before. There are two minutes worth of noises, bizarre ones. But very little actual talking. Authorities confirmed the disturbing middle-of-the-night call came from Henry McCabe's cell phone. So she gets this, that crazy, just like, it sounds like groans and like like someone's in pain. And then, you know, and then it doesn't show it in that clip, but in the, in the whole two-minute-long voicemail at the end, it says, stop it. Which is super kind of crazy, but... 
the last person to see McCabe was a friend who dropped him off at a convenience store. Let's let's keep it real. That's kind of wild to drop your friend off at a convenience store. Like, what is he doing? You know, trying to get that last call, I guess. I don't know, but I would never, you know, that's just something me, I wouldn't drop my friend off at a convenience store, especially if I know if he's maybe sauced out or, but his friend dropped him off at the convenience store and they basically searched the area, you know, to a point where, you know, they could find nothing of him, like at all. But the crazy thing about that last call that he made to his, that you know, to the voicemail, it was nowhere near where his friend claimed he dropped him off. Which is kind of wild. He the basically the, the the call was pinged at a place called Rice Creek Park near New Bridgeton. I'm probably not pronouncing that right at all. Which is a totally different area, like not even in close to where he was dropped off. Um, and so they did a search, and on November fourth, um, two thousand fifteen, McCabe's body was discovered floating in Rush Lake. Um, near where they found it, like near where they got his cell phone ping. And basically they come to the autopsy and he says he drowned, which how did he end up in that lake? You know, and basically his case is still, you know, unsolved to this day. Um, but to me, what's very weird and doesn't add up is, you know, if he drowned then what was up with that voicemail to his wife, you know, it's basically like groans and, grunts and you know it sounded like somebody was kind of torturing him a little bit um you know and it, it just didn't it just it's not right you know it's just not something that that he you know it, to be inflicted that much like almost pain but the crazy part about it his body had no signs of trauma or injury so you know what was that or who was that that was you know behind that you know but behind the voicemail that said stop it at the end you know we we may never know but it's just crazy you know that that you know he you know disappeared and was found and then there was no signs um which is similar to the next case um that we're going to talk about and to me this is maybe the most wild of the bunch um, Henry McCabe's is up there as a top, it's a top missing case, but one thing, um, so this is, uh, next one is about Colin Finnerty, uh, Finnerty, if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, I apologize. He was a, a fame, he played for, uh, Grand Valley State, which is a division three. He led him to two national championship games. Um, he was signed by the Baltimore Ravens. He's, you know, he is a NFL quarterback. Legitimate athlete. So basically, Colin Finnerty, you know, was basically dropped off by his family. It was a fishing trip on Memorial Day weekend, and at the point during, at you know, some points during his trip, like towards the end, he makes this crazy call to his wife, in which that he claimed that he's being followed. And that he was very scared and frightened. Like you, you could tell it in his breath that he was just like, and this is what, according to his wife, that he was just breathing so hard and he was so upset and there's something, you know, going on that he was in the woods. And so one one thing that was kind of weird was that he may, said to his wife that, "Hey, I'm, I'm taking my clothes off," which, you know, without giving any reason, you know, 
why would you know? I don't understand that. Why he would tell his wife and then take his clothes off? Well, then after that, his phone went dead. And this was and this is the last time anyone spoke to him. His wife was the last person. Um, and he did not return from his uh, from his fishing trip. Um, and they launched a search. And during the search, now this is like I said, going back to the cell phone where things are getting pinged and they're not really where they usually are. His phone was pinged several times. Um, and you know, because they were trying to find his location of where he was, and each time the ping was found to be far to be farther away than uh, where it was in the previous location. So something is carrying his phone, possibly. You know, and it's kind of wild. Like, is it somebody? You know, you know, or is it him that's on the run or on the move that's like trying to get away or? But they couldn't find him. He was un, like he just they couldn't find him. And then finally on May twenty eighth, two thousand thirteen, they found him. Um, and he was in a dense wood about a mile from the location of his fishing boat, which is also kind of weird because if, if his phone is being beamed everywhere, but he ends up back at his boat, it's kind of strange. Um, and he wasn't found. He was far, found from next, like basically not too far from like a busy road where like multiple people could see him. The weird thing about his body when they found it, it had no signs of trauma or external injuries, um, and he had been well dressed. Because if you remember, like I said, his wife said that he said that he was taking his clothes off, and so that was kind of strange that he was not nude or he just was basically well dressed for the occasion. And so it just doesn't make sense. It just, you know, it doesn't, you know, the logical mind, you can't make sense of this. Well, they did an optop- optopsy and two, de- two, two separate autopsies, basically. Now, this gets into another kind of, I wouldn't say conspiracy, but I would say it's very interesting. One of them, of the autopsy said that he never, he didn't have anything to drink. Basically, he, you know, they couldn't find the cause of death, and it came back in, uh, inconclusive. Another autopsy was done, and basically said that he had CTE, he had high levels of CTE. Um, they found drugs and alcohol in his in the system, um, and it just was kind of weird. Um, that like they said it was a con- like basically it was a complications of factors. Well, because he, and this is one thing too that kind of led into that is basically his family had said that he had had concussions, or his brother, I believe. And then, so that's why they were like, well, it's got to be CTE, because no one, you know, you guys heard stories like Junior Seau, like he wasn't making no sense when he was talking, and he just had memory loss and, you know, just couldn't really get together. But they also, you know, found out that he was taking Oxycontin, or Oxycodone, I'm sorry for a back injury that he had. And the thing that's kind of, you know, they say that he could have been inebriated and fell and then, but that doesn't make sense if his phone was still on the move. And so his whole thing, I mean, even his family will defend him and say that he, football made him the person he is. He's successful because of football and football did not do this to him. And his family to this day, um, had even said that. So, 
to this day, like, in, you know, even to this day, they, you know, I've seen the NFL put out like some type of lost, you know, oh, it's CTE, it's CTE. Um, but there's just too many weird things about the his case that it doesn't make sense, especially like with the cell phone, uh, with him taking his clothes off, but then he's fully dressed. Um, it just doesn't make sense. And, and that's one thing about these missing 411 cases that just a lot of them don't make sense. Um, you know, like I said, the plot points, you try to get it, and David Pilates does a really good job of where he tries to, you know, bring all the facts to the table. And, you know, I hear people, you know, say things over here and over there, which is fine. Anyone's up, you know, they're up for their own opinion. But my opinion is, is that I think he is trying to get to the, the basis of what this is. And I'm, my opinion on it, I don't really think that it's, LP or Bigfoot or werewolves or aliens, you know, I I think my opinion of it is it it, it varies depending on the types of cases. Um, but with that being said, guys, um, this is the first part of the of the mysterious disappearances. Um, you know, we'll get into other ones. I know that uh, there's you know there's different types of cases. For instance, like I'll do one on children who have, you know, who has been missing. Um, I have a few of them that have, you know, with people with like, uh, that are on the spectrum, like autism. We'll do some cases on that because those are kind of super weird too. Um, we'll do some on, on hunters. Um, we'll do some on, uh, people with German descent. You know, I'm going to touch into this and this is not just a, a, a one off. This is going to be multiple parts. And then I think at the end, once I once we dive deeper into each different facet of this, um, I think I'll come up with, an, with a, a legitimate opinion for you guys. But I'm curious to see what you guys think of the three cases that I mentioned, especially when it comes to the cell phone aspect of it, of being pinged in different locations, but then their bodies found in, or, you know, they're being pinged in a different location than what they were last seen. Um, if you got, yeah, when you guys hear this, you know, like I said, hit the comments or. You know, or shoot me a message uh, on Facebook, Yahola Tiger, um, TikTok, One Man Band 918. Um, shoot me a message on there. Let me know what you think and what you think Missing 411 could be or what you think these three cases could be. You think it's a serial killer? You think it's, you know, one theory was a smiley face killer. So, guys, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and, and hit me up on those. Um, and we'll, we'll be back again for the next episode. My name is Yahola Tiger. I'm the One Man Band. You guys have a great rest of your night. Have a good one. Night, day, whatever one. <laughs> Have a good one.